Welcome to Inspiration from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is about the 1950s, Anxiety and Assurance. In the fall of 1949, a young Baptist preacher from North Carolina told a Los Angeles audience that unless they repented of their sins, they were going to hell. He was scheduled to speak for three weeks, but the people were so spiritually hungry, the crusade extended to eight. Day after day, he presented the gospel's compelling message to be born again, and thousands accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Another evangelist took the preacher aside and accused him of setting back their cause by a hundred years. Billy Graham responded he had hoped to set it back nearly 2,000 years, to the time when it was said of the first Christians, they turned the world upside down. On October 15, 1958, Graham preached a sermon titled Straightforwardly, Heaven or Hell?, at the Charlotte, North Carolina Coliseum. He made no allowances for those who said hell was the pain we caused ourselves or that it was found here on earth. He spelled out for his listeners the two possible destinations that await each person. It is a testimony to the mood of the times and the activity of God in history that Graham's ancient formula for attaining salvation was accepted in America's post-World War II era that lasted roughly from 1945 to 1960. Although that time is remembered now as affluent and innocent, it is important not to overgeneralize when so many were struggling to overcome poverty and racial prejudice. In addition, it was a time of significant anxiety. With their newly gained wealth, many Americans were on the move as never before, leaving old neighborhoods in favor of new, sometimes distant suburbs, and striving to keep up with the Joneses to attain the American dream. This was also the inaugural age of the atom bomb and the Cold War, when American schoolchildren learned to duck under their desks and cover their heads in case the Russians bombed us into submission or oblivion. People were deeply concerned when the Soviets made it first into space, launching the satellite Sputnik in 1957, because they might be tempted to drop their atom bombs on the United States from outer space. There were those who believed Armageddon, the final battle of mankind, might just be at hand. During the early 1950s, there was also another war in Korea, as the United States tried to keep the communist North Koreans and their Chinese allies from taking over the southern part of that country. The Korean War claimed over 33,000 American lives. Americans greatly feared communism because it promoted atheism and denied freedom of religion to those living in its shadow 
or behind its iron curtain, as Winston Churchill put it. Americans took it literally when Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev told a group of Western diplomats, whether you like it or not, history is on our side. We will bury you. Hollywood played on the public's fears with movies such as The Day the Earth Stood Still, in which creatures from outer space or those mutated by atomic blasts threaten civilization. In such a climate, many Americans were ready to listen to messages of sin and salvation, heaven and hell, for the first time in decades. There was a resurgence of evangelical Christianity Christianity during that time, including the formation of parachurch organizations like Youth for Christ, the National Association of Evangelicals, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and Campus Crusade for Christ. During the post-war era, Americans in large numbers came to believe that in order to be truly religious, one had to be patriotic, and in order to be patriotic, one also had to be religious. The preferred religion was Protestantism, but Roman Catholics and Jews also made a strong showing. In 1954, when the phrase under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance, President Eisenhower said, Our government makes no sense unless it is founded on a deeply felt religious faith, and I don't care what it is. In 1956, Congress adopted a new official motto for the country, In God We Trust. Books with religious themes topped the best-seller lists throughout the 1950s, among them Billy Graham's Peace with God and The Secret of Happiness. Along with Graham, another religious star rose, the Roman Catholic priest Fulton J. Sheen. His television show drew roughly 30 million viewers, in spite of running opposite the wildly popular Milton Berle program. Berle once quipped about Sheen, he uses old material too. Sheen preached that unless a person received Christ, he would spend the afterlife in anguish. He warned those, especially among the theologians, who tried to sidestep issues of salvation, heaven, hell, and the devil, saying the demonic is always most powerful when he is denied. Another popular Christian writer of the post-war period was Catherine Marshall. Her husband, Peter, was the pastor of Washington's New York Avenue Presbyterian Church and the Senate chaplain when he died suddenly at the age of 46 in 1949. Her collection of his sermons, Mr. Jones Meet the Master, became an enormous bestseller, and she went on to write his biography, A Man Called Peter, which has sold over four million copies and became a major motion picture. Her frank style invited intimacy with God and the assurance that in Him, people could overcome any adversity. 
a British writer who had a significant impact on American religion in that era, was C.S. Lewis, professor of English literature at Oxford and Cambridge universities. An avowed atheist for much of his youth, Lewis became a devout Anglican and an apologist for Orthodox Christianity in an environment deeply hostile to it. Along with his friend J.R.R. Tolkien, Lewis employed his rich imagination and intellect to explain ancient truths to modern readers. Perhaps one of his powerful appeals to American evangelicals was the way he demonstrated that people don't have to check their brains at the door to become believers. Lewis maintained that it was up to each individual to determine what his or her final destiny would be, whether it would be oriented toward the self or toward God. Sin is ultimately the choosing of self over God. Damnation and hell are receiving that choice of self over God forever. Hell is the final inability to choose anything but the self. In 1950s America, other religious leaders appeared on the scene, writing and preaching to great public acclaim, including those who sometimes took a less confrontational, orthodox, or sometimes even Christian view of sin and salvation. Among them was Norman Vincent Peale, who became famous in 1952 after the publication of his book, The Power of Positive Thinking. It sold in the millions, was translated into 33 languages, and spent three years on the New York Times bestseller list. In it, he encouraged people to find peace and self-fulfillment by learning to utilize God's power in their lives by practicing positive thinking and avoiding negativity. In the post-war period, the mass media's influence increased significantly, while Hollywood turned out some thoughtful, if not entirely accurate, biblical epics and faith-oriented films, it is interesting to note the way in which movie makers, who had the public's overall trust, handled the afterlife. At times, as with A Man Called Peter, its treatment was tender and winsome. There was also the scene in this Inn of the Sixth Happiness, in which missionary Gladys Aylward was helping a large number of Chinese children dodge invading Japanese soldiers after her helper Lee died while acting as a decoy. She reassured the weary and frightened children, You must think of how happy our good friend Lee, who is in heaven, would be for us. It is interesting that while she said Lee had gone to be with God, she did not say that he was up there looking down on us. There were also some whimsical, odd, even secular portrayals of the afterlife. One of the former was, It's a Wonderful Life, 
Frank Capra's perennial Christmas classic about depressed George Bailey, who was thwarted and frustrated at every turn. When his family's and friends' prayers reached heaven, the head angel sent Clarence Oddbody, an angel second class, eager to get his wings to Bailey's rescue. That film advanced the biblically untenable, though increasingly popular view that when people die, they become angels who can revisit earth to assist the living. In the 1953 musical, The Bandwagon, there was an over-the-top Faustian scene from hell, complete with copious flames, moaning, and groaning. Similarly comic was a number from Guys and Dolls, in which Gambler Nicely Nicely sang about going to heaven in a boat, although it was clear he should have been going to the other place. Television became even more influential than the movies in the 50s, and most Americans innocently believed if something was on TV, it had to be true. People stopped what they were doing each week to watch their favorite programs, especially I Love Lucy and the Milton Berle and Ed Sullivan shows. One of those programs, Topper, was inspired by a movie of the same name in which a straight-laced bank president and his wife bought a house that was haunted by its previous owners as well as their deceased dog. Only Mr. Topper could see them. Like the ghost and the Mrs. Muir, it propped up the notion that people can become ghosts upon their deaths, haunting the living until they resolve their problems and go to heaven. Rock and roll dominated popular music in the 1950s, and at least two songs in that genre provided unorthodox views of the hereafter. Endless Sleep, recorded by Jody Reynolds in 1958, was banned by many radio stations because it dealt with suicide. Much more popular was the 1960 hit Teen Angel by Mark Dinning, in which a couple's car got stuck on a railroad track, and the girl, after being saved from the wreck, ran back and was killed. Afterward, the boy found his high school ring in her hand and sang to her as a teen angel, wondering if she could remain his true love if she was in heaven. Once again, there was the notion that dead humans became angels, as well as the unspoken assumption that, of course, the girl would be going to heaven. The post-war era was the last time Christianity was mostly at peace with mainstream American culture, when it still set the tone and stood as a trusted authority for life and death, not the authority as it had been in other centuries, but an essential one nonetheless. The revival that helped bring this about began to wane around 1960, and in the next 10 years, a rebellious spirit lingering under the surface of society would break out in ways few could have imagined. Thank you for joining me for Inspiration from American History. 
I have also written a series of novels, including award-winning Morning Glory, about great American revivals. You can visit Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com for more information, or my website, RebeccaPriceJanny.com. Thank you, and God bless you.